재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Did you know? 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 You are gonna know in a matter of minutes, and it's especially important that you do on a major Korean holiday like this. This is Koreascape on TBS EFM, 101.3 megahertz in Seoul and surrounding areas. Did You Know is our little trivia and guidance segment brought to you by the Seoul Global Center and Communications Officer Michelle Kang. Uh, We're just kind of bringing you up to speed on general details of life in Korea, and today we have a very topical and timely subject. Michelle, welcome. Uh, good morning, Kurt. So, uh, happy March 1st. Yeah, happy March 1st. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's an important day in Korean history, right? Mm-hmm. This is uh, perhaps the most important day on the calendar when considering uh, Korea's return to itself or its uh, Im- ability to become a, a nation free from uh, Japan colonial rule. Just uh, Give us a little bit of a summary as to uh, what the independence movement was and why this day is important. Okay. So during the Japanese, uh, Japanese colonial period, which was between in 1910 and in 1945, um, Korean people suffered a great deal. You know, Koreans were forced to uh, take Japanese names and then uh, speak the Japanese language. So, um, of course, Koreans desired to restore Korea's independence against Japanese colonial rule. And then on March 1st, uh, this day... In 1919, 33 national leaders gathered at Tapgol Park, which is in Seoul, and then they read the Declaration of Independence to proclaim the independence of Korea to the world. Essentially uh, condemning themselves to a possible death sentence, uh, you know, uh, at extreme danger mm-hmm. reading uh, this Declaration of Independence, but at the same time inspiring a lot of people around the country. And That's this is right. what, when independence protests and movements flared up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as this is the nation's first people's movement, it was a peaceful protest, non-violent, but um, like ordinary people actually got the courage to stand up mm. um, against the Japanese. So during this uh, period of uh, protest, so many Koreans lost their lives. Um, and then among all these uh, people, Yuganson could be the iconic um, symbol of this movement. Yuganson. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. A dark period, as you said, but uh, dark times produce heroes. And uh, this is, interestingly enough, a female mm-hmm. activist. Right. And then she's young. Young, female activist. I've heard her at times described as uh, Korea's Joan of Arc. I don't mm-hmm. know if that... <laughs> it's an interesting comparison, but uh, <laughs> the eras don't quite sync up. Tell us a little bit about her. Okay. So, um, among so many patriotic martyrs in Korea, this young female activist, Yu Guan-sun, is an icon of the resistance against Japanese colonialization uh, of Korea. And then she was um, born in Tanan, not in Seoul, but back then it was a time when girls were not um, encouraged to get educated. But she went to college. She was smart. She went to, I mean, uh, Iwa Girls School with a scholarship. And then uh, along with other national leaders, uh, she uh, participated in this protest movement. So um, Yu Guan Sun and then her um, classmates 
joined a rally at Tapgor Park and uh, took part in a student demonstration in Namdaemun, but uh, as a result, they were arrested. But um, fortunately, because the foreign missionaries at Iwa School, uh, they were released. But even after she was released, Yugansun was more um, deeply involved in the independence movement and then arrested again and was tortured until she died uh, in a Sadaemun prison at the age of 18, which is 17. Uh, in, yeah, that's in incredibly Iwa. young. And she was there on that March 1st day when this declaration was That's read, right. mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting. You mentioned she was uh, released after foreign missionaries uh, sort of interceded. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, an interesting angle to that, that this by this time, there was a lot of foreign support, international support for mm-hmm. Korean independence. And um, you had mentioned earlier that this movement had spread beyond the borders, right. that there were sympathizers in Manchuria, the United States, Europe. So, uh, a lot of pressure being brought on the Japanese colonial government. She's obviously a hero- heroine, this Yu Guan Sun. Tell me a little bit more about the idea of foreigners supporting Korean patriots okay. and freedom fighters. Well, uh, until now, not many um, foreigners who uh, lived in Korea back then um, were actually known to Koreans. Even Koreans actually um, didn't really know about these unknown heroes. So I'm going to just uh, talk about... There were actually um, more than one, but I'm going to just focus on this one specific family. Um, there's a uh, two-story house in the quiet residential area in the center of Seoul in Hengchondong in mm. Jongnogu. Mm. Uh, this house, this is a brick house, and it's built in American style. And then it's got a name. The house has got a name called Dilkusha in English. So meaning a palace of hope or happiness, or sometimes it's referred to utopia. Um, Mr. That sounds like an Indian word. That's right. It's, yeah. yeah, that's right. So Mr. and Mrs. Taylor, uh, who are the owners of this house, this house was built in, in 1923. And then uh, this is the story of this family. Um, Mary uh, Taylor, she was actually a British actress who lived in India. Ah, uh, so that's where they might have been inspired to take that name that's for right. the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she was traveling to Japan, and then there she met an American guy from Korea, um, and then they fell in love and then got married and then they um, moved to India to stay there for a while but then uh, the the man Albert came to Korea in 1898 um, with his father uh, as a gold mine developer developer and a journalist um, so this couple actually built a beautiful house next to a huge ginkgo tree near the Inwangsan mountain or uh, probably the familiar place, uh, it would be Gyeongbokgung okay. Palace. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then when you see this house now, it's still there, but what's left here is more like a haunted house. Haunted house? Mm-hmm. Haven't they, uh, the government sort of kept it up or made it into an attraction? No? Um, recently, until um, recently, not many people, even the neighbors in the town, didn't really know much about the details of this house. Oh, okay. So um, the details and the secrets revealed only in a 2000 Six, when Bruce Taylor, who was the son of Albert Taylor, visited Korea, and he brought some photos of old Seoul uh, his father took. Very, so that's very recent. All right, so we know all about the Taylors, and we know about Dilkusha. That, what is this? How does 
this connect to the independence movement? Okay, so in 1919, uh, actually in late February, Mary was in the hospital, uh, Severance Hospital, and the couple was giving birth to their son, Bruce. And then the baby was born just one day before the March 1st independence movement in Korea. Um, uh, when all these national leaders were uh, preparing for the big day, the independence uh, activists had printed the Declaration of Independence at this hospital. Um, and then the news reached out to the Japanese police. So the police searched the entire building, but they uh, couldn't find it. But in the meantime, the nurse who helped the birth of Taylor Couple's son knew about this. So she thought probably the Japanese police would not be able to um, search it if it's hidden in a foreign patient's uh, room. Uh-huh. So she hid it, um, the declaration, in the baby bed. Um, ah, that's clever. Yes. So, uh, as I said, Albert was a correspondent at the United Press International. So he was writing an article about this movement and the news of King Kojong's murder because back then it was rumored that uh, the King Kojong has been uh, poisoned by the Japanese. Uh, but while he was working out there, he heard about his son's birth and he ran down to the hospital. And then when he lifted his son from the crib, you know, he found the Declaration of Independence right there in the, the baby cradle. Uh, so he took it and then secretly had his brother take this to Japan at Tokyo by hiding it inside his brother's shoe. And he wrote an article about that. Uh, and Taylor let the uh, entire world know about how Japanese committed these atrocities. Really interesting, the hiding of this document. Uh, quite a dramatic uh, mm-hmm. thing. I, I, I can picture the Japanese uh, storming the hospital and searching everywhere and uh, this little baby crib having the, the crucial document. It's almost mm-hmm. like a, a scene from The Sound of Music, you know, when the nuns are hiding that family. Um, I guess this uh, Albert Taylor was not so popular among the Japanese. Oh, no. Um, he also um, helped the Tamni incident, which happened in April 15th, uh, the same year when March uh, 1st movement happened, because Jap- uh, Japanese killed civilians um, in, a, in a small uh, church. But anyways, he was on the blacklist of Japanese police, so he was sentenced six months in a sudden prison in 1941. Uh, but he continued to help Korean independence act and then Mary, his wife, also helped Koreans. So um, she ended up being sentenced under house arrest. But after they got out of uh, prison, the couple was deported to the U.S. Hmm. Um, but uh, he, Albert wanted to come back to Seoul after Korea's liberation from Japan. But he got so weak and then sick he couldn't make it. Hmm. Uh but Bruce Taylor, um, his son, uh, used to say, like, I want to go home. Like, home here means Korea, where sure. he was born. So uh, finally, he made it to Seoul, like I said, in uh, 2006, and he became an honorary citizen of Seoul. Um, but then he passed away last year. Um, and then Albert Taylor, before he died, his last word was, if I die, um, bring my ash to Korea and then bury there. So according to his will, Albert Taylor is buried in Korea in Yanghwajin Foreign Missionary Cemetery in Mapo uh, with his father, George Taylor. He was one of the few uh, Americans who lived in Korea. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you could, you hypothetically, you could go to that cemetery and see mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. Uh, gravesite. 
And what's the status of his house? You mentioned that they were starting to fix it up and make it available to pe- for people to see. Uh, that's right, because it was one of the largest houses in Chosan with more than 10 bedrooms. Um, but at the moment, some impoverished uh, households are ego- illegally staying in the house. So um, fortunately, last Friday on the 26th, the government finally had the house uh, designated as uh, registered cultural property, and then uh, it will restore it to its original state and open to the house to the public by 2019, marking the 100th anniversary of the uh, March 1st movement. Um, And then uh, Albert Taylor's granddaughter, Jennifer Taylor, who is a singer in the States, uh, she's visiting Korea now. Mm. um, And then she's going to donate some household items her grandparents collected while they were staying in Seoul. uh, And then she's going to take part in a ceremony in Jonggak today, actually. And uh, Jennifer's dad, Bruce, published a biography of his mom, Mary. The name of the book is Chain of Amber. So uh, if it's uh, out there, so if you want to know more about these details, you can just get that book. Or the story will be made into a movie soon, I heard. So, Very cool. Mm-hmm. Chain of Amber. I wonder mm-hmm. what that refers to. Yeah, I didn't know that his granddaughter was here right this minute. Yes. Oh, very <laughs> interesting. Okay. So there you have the context of foreign support, international support, including a couple of key supporters of Korean independence back in the day. And the legacy of that goes on. Maybe at some point in 2019, we can all go see that Dilkusha house. Michelle, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for having me. And Koreascape returns right after this.